Hi, my name is Terence, and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Except for today. Today, I ask the question, how did I get here? I look back at the books that I have reviewed that have influenced my worldview, my actions, my affections, my life. This is not a best books of 2022 episode. I have not yet mastered the skill of ranking books. If forced to, I would choose Cur Deus Homo by Anselm of Canterbury because one can't go wrong with a thousand-year-old classic. And if you were to restrict me to books published in 2022, then I have only five books to consider out of the 30 books I have reviewed this year. I am not doing a best books of 2022 episode. I'm doing a reflection. I'm recognizing that there are flash-in-the-pan books, books that were so good when I first read them but had little lasting influence. On the other extreme, there are books that were okay, they were good, but nothing to brag about. But somehow, unexpectedly, they led to long-term changes, a long-term impact. I'm looking for such books. That is why I'm not restricting myself to books reviewed this year. If reading and readers, this podcast continues for 10, 20, 30 years, you will hear through my Year-end reflections, how I have grown through the books, how one book led to another, and how books are not just the feeling of the mind, but books can also lead to habits and pleasures. In today's episode, I will talk about books that have encouraged a Christian habit. Second, uh, books that have formed a Christian worldview. And finally, and most significantly, a book, just one book, that unexpectedly changed my way of life. The key word being unexpectedly. I really didn't expect it to happen the way it did. So let's start with the first one. Books that have encouraged me in a Christian habit. We all know that this habit is good for you, but somehow think it's a habit for the super holy amongst us. It's not meditation, it's memorization. In last year's reflection, I shared how Chris Wright's book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, was helpful, especially how he described John Stott and his habit of praying the fruit of the Spirit every morning. Before reading the book, I had already memorized Galatians 5.22-23, but I just didn't see how it helps me in maturing as a Christian. Um, after reading the book, it helped, but I was still not disciplined enough to pray it every day like John Stott did. But I have found it helpful to pray it when I need to. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I do it before breakfast, sometimes it's before I sleep, often it's before I'm on the verge of saying something I shouldn't say. <laughs> so instead of biting my tongue, I do do that. I also, in addition to biting my tongue, I also recite in my heart, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and 
self-control. <laughs> and that's because self-control is what I needed the most. So that's what I gained and that's what I shared in uh, last year's reflection. Then this year, uh, just past uh, October, uh, I read Andrew Nasselli's book, Romans, A Concise Guide to the Greatest Letter Ever Written. Now, what impressed me the most, uh, aside from the, the whole book, was that Andrew Nasselli memorized the whole uh, episode to the Romans. I tried that before uh, in my early Christian life, but gave up halfway through. So challenged by what I saw as Nasselli's success, I attempted once again, once more into the breach, to memorize the greatest letter ever written. Now, nearly three months later, I have only managed to memorize Romans chapter 1. That is a miserable achievement. Uh, three months to, chapter, to memorize one chapter, it would take me a long, long time to finish the whole book of the Romans. But the reason why I'm so slow is because after memorizing Romans chapter 1, I decided to memorize 2 Timothy because my need for it was more urgent. I was preaching on 2 Timothy and I knew that if I had the entire letter in my head, it would benefit my study and ultimately the church. And if you have never done this before, I invite you to try it, whether you are preaching or teaching or you don't have to do either. You just want to know more okay, from the, from the passage that you're trying to understand. It really helps if you memorize it. So if you're going to teach on a verse, on a passage, try memorizing the whole chapter. When you do that, you'll be far, far more familiar with the layout of the passage, with the layout of the land. And every, I tell you this, I promise you this, and every commentary you read will make far, far more sense because you never get lost in the details and you will sniff out whenever they say something that doesn't smell right because you know the, the entire passage, the entire letter, uh, like the back of your hand. And in case some actually think that I am bragging over here, like humble bragging, talking about memorizing and trying to make myself look very good, I'm not. For one thing, Chris Wright shared that uh, on uh, the reason why Chris Wright shared on uh, John Stott's daily prayer was that he wanted to encourage everyone to, to do so. And Andrew Nasselli uh, mentioned memorizing Romans in passing. And that was simply because he wanted to thank his uh, youth group a long time ago for this challenge. Now, I am so far away from John Stott's maturity or uh, Andrew Nasselli's achievement that the only reason why I share my meager success is simply to encourage others. Uh, you, dear readers, the reading and readers, the readers part of the podcast, I want to encourage you in the habit of memorization and also to thank these servants of the Lord for their encouragement, which I only knew about through the books I read. So that's one part. Now, the next one is uh, books that form a worldview. Have you ever asked or gotten this question before? Can I read or watch or listen to this book or movie or song? <laughs> the best answer I got is from Tony uh, Reinke's uh, book, Lit. You can read anything you want, and this is the hard paraphrase it. You can read anything you want as long as you hold to a Christian worldview. 
which, if you think about it, is the same sort of answer that Henry Ford gave uh, of, about his cars. You can have any color you want as long as it is black. <laughs> you see, when you hold to a Christian worldview, when you hold firmly to a Christian worldview, you will filter out books that you should not read. You will know that there are books that you should not read. And because you hold to a Christian worldview, you will interpret or learn to interpret anything you read or watch or listen to from a biblical lens. Does that mean that you can listen to edgy, aggressive rap music like Eminem or watch bloody violent war movies like Gladiator. Glad you ask, because regular listeners to this podcast will remember those examples from Kevin Van Hooser's uh, book, How to Read Cultural Texts and Interpret Trends. Now, if you want more details on how to interpret Eminem or Gladiator or the many, many other examples in this book, you can listen to episode 50. I'm not doing a book review over here. All the books I mentioned uh, today will be found in the previous episodes. I'm here to say that uh, how reading that book has helped me read other books. Reading how reading those books, that book has actually helped me interpret uh, the my 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 view, my my life as a Christian. So I now learn to apply it into any cultural artifact whether it is a building or universal declaration of the human rights, whether it is uh, anything that I see, any movies that I watch, uh, I'm thinking about it as a Christian. So I learned that this is something I should do and I have tools so that I can do it well. So for example, uh, I know that whenever these things come to me, uh, movies, books, or songs, uh, I can interpret them as a text and there are three parts to it. There is the world behind the text, the world in the text, and the world in front of the text. So for example, for example, I'm reading Tolkien Dogmatics by Austin Freeman, and I'm reading this book, and I'm so conscious because I can see when Freeman speaks of the world behind the text. Behind the text, we have Tolkien's belief in Revelation. Okay, this is the man, the author's belief, his own personal belief in Revelation. And this is interesting. This is, I, I didn't know this uh, before I read this book, that Tolkien claims that the Lord of the Rings, the whole story, somehow is a story that came by Revelation rather than by his own creation. So he was merely a messenger in that sense. So there's some sort of inspired, now I'm using these words very, very loosely, and that's what Freeman is also trying to do. But he is saying that this is the world behind the text. He doesn't use those words, he doesn't use those phrases, but he is talking about the world behind the text. Who is the man uh, talking as he writes this uh, story? So I thought that was very interesting. And not only that, Freeman also writes what Van Hooser labels the world in the text. So the world of Tolkien's Middle-earth, which also has its own revelation. For example, the prophecy of the return of the king. So knowing about these uh, ways of distinguishing between uh, um, the world in the text, behind the text, in front of the text, does help me enjoy the books. The ability to distinguish different aspects of the book is something like the ability to distinguish different aspects of wine. Being able to 
to detect the sweetness, acidity, or alcohol helps the person savor the wine. So we can process the flavors, we can process and think about it and describe it. And in this way, it increases the pleasure, the pleasure of drinking wine for others and for the pleasure of reading books for myself. So I also find that by by adopting this Christian worldview, by thinking about, about reading as a way to strengthen, to form a Christian worldview, it moves away from the rather boring question of, can a Christian enjoy this? Can a Christian enjoy that? Instead, we ask the more interesting question of, what is there here for the Christian to enjoy? And the emphasis being the Christian. So if there's nothing that a Christian is is uh, rightly can enjoy and we because of the Christian worldview thing then what do we gain by actually having pleasure in this in this uh, music movie or books and so on so that's the beautiful thing because we can grow there's a sense of of growth development moving forward and just not just some aimless pleasure that comes hitting us uh, uh, ad hoc it's something that we can be more uh, intentional with so just to complete my reflection on forming a Christian worldview, uh, I'll just throw in another book, which has also helped me quite a lot, but uh, I've already talked about this quite a few times already. And that is the book from episode 35, Redeeming Our Thinking for, About History, from Vern Poitras. As I mentioned in that episode, uh, the whole book, I think there was some issues I have with it. But then uh, generally, the, the principle of trying to tease out God's purposes in historical events, I thought that was very sound. I thought that was very, I thought that was something I really took away. And I wanted to speculate on God's purposes. And I have continued to do so, um, not to gain certainty. So I'm not out to say that mm, I'm right about this and so on, because I know that I can never ever know. I will never ever know in this lifetime whether I am right about God's purposes. But I want to continue to be mindful that there is God working behind the scenes in front of us. <laughs> it's like a mystery theater. I'm never sure that my guesses are correct because the, the show has not ended. The play has not ended. There may be new things coming up, you see. So I never know. But that is not important because I am certain that all the pieces will come together, that someone has planned everything, everything is set on stage, and they will all come to a dramatic conclusion. And this type of thinking, okay, or the, the, it's not the aim is not just some, some casual armchair musing. This has pastoral effect. The other day I was trying to comfort someone who was going through very difficult trials. And it is trial after trial. And it is so heartbreaking, backbreaking. And what comfort can one give? And there is much to offer from Scripture. All right, So you can pull out many, many comforts. And maybe one of the things we should do is just to stay silent. Like a, but, but one thing that I offered uh, at that time was the truth that God's purposes will stand. Now, no one could tell David Brainerd in his lifetime that his short life will lead to a global missionary movement. 
No one could tell him that. No one could tell Adoniram Judson that through his suffering, an entire nation will be saved for the glory of Christ. No one could tell him. So in the same manner, we cannot tell people definitely what will come out of their suffering in this lifetime, but we can tell all believers, including David Brainerd, including Adonai Judson, including all of us, that God's ways are higher than our ways. And that while we live, while we live, we we have pleasure. I, I, I say it's pleasure in guessing, in wondering, in knowing that we will all be surprised with the ending. <laughs> Because if we can be surprised by the movies that we watch and we know there's going to be something coming up, but we're still caught of God and there is that pleasure, isn't it? There's, there's fun. Now, if we can do that with the movies, what more can we do that if the entire end of creation? And then when the credits roll, when the curtain calls, and then all applause, that is worship, goes to God, who is the director of all. So whether it's books or culture or history, I am so thankful for the books that I have read because they have helped me form a Christian worldview. Lastly, okay, the third category, let's talk about a book that unexpectedly changed my life. I stress unexpectedly. And you should prepare yourself for a surprise. Because you see, when I pick up a Christian book, I expect it to change my Christian way of life, my thinking, my, my affections, my, my Christian spiritual life. So if, for example, when you pick up a book titled The Possibility of Prayer by John Stark, you can expect that perhaps at the end of the book, you will have a stronger prayer life or you have a, a more knowledge about what it means or you have a, a stronger desire for it. All right, so, there's, uh, so you can tell it from the title. Now, when I last year, when I picked up John Dixon's uh, Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history, what, what can you expect? I, I expected to be informed. I expected that I'll learn something about the good and the bad, and maybe I can have uh, discussions with Christians or non-Christians about about examples and about uh, about warnings uh, in, within Christian history. What I didn't expect was to spend the rest of the year laughing out loud in my commute to work, or pondering deeply on the Maid of Holland the Ashanti Empire, or the White Rose of Germany. And these are nothing to do with John Dixon's book. <laughs> My life is all the richer because of John Dixon's book, but alas, it's not due to the content in, the, in that book. Let me explain. I enjoy Bullies and Saints, and you can listen to my review on that book, but there was a historian by the name of Tom Holland, in that book, who was not a Christian. But he did not ridicule Christianity, but instead credited the faith for much of civilization. Now, let me read this quote from John Dixon's book. Holland has not had, I quote, Holland has not had a Damascus Road experience. He is not a believing Christian. 
he has just come to realize that he, like many atheist and agnostic Westerners, is ethically Christian. In a controversial article announcing his shift in thinking, he explained, uh, now he's quoting uh, Tom Holland, Today, even as belief in God fades across the West, the countries that were once collectively known as Christendom continue to bear the stamp of the two-millennia-old revolution that Christianity represents. It is the principal reason why, by and large, most of us who live in post-Christian societies still take for granted that it is nobler to suffer than to inflict suffering. It is why we generally assume that human life is of equal value. In my morals and ethics, I have learned to accept that I am not a Greek or Roman at all, but thoroughly and proudly Christian. End quote. Now, this is fascinating. <laughs> when I read this, I was like, wow, how often do you see a non-believer, okay, he's a non-believer, declare himself in morals and ethics a thoroughly and proudly Christian? So I thought that this Tom Holland was a character that was worth reading up on, so I did. So I then realized uh, through my Google search, so everything is so easy now with Google, Tom Holland has a podcast with some guy who I also didn't know, uh, Dominic Sandbrook. And this podcast name was The Rest is History. And I have no idea what is this podcast about. I downloaded, I don't remember the first episode I listened to, but I thought it was good enough so that I subscribe to it, meaning I click a button and I will get notified of new episodes. So I listened to a few, and uh, a few became many, and uh, many became a daily experience. <laughs> uh, instead of just notifying, I then click a different button and said that I want it to download every new episode that comes in. Now, even though they don't publish daily, uh, what I then did just to satisfy my fix was that uh, I went through the backlogs. And they, because by the time I went into this, uh, this uh, podcast, uh, there were 200 plus episodes to catch up with. And I did. I went through not all of them, but I went through picking and choosing many of the many, many uh, episodes that caught my interest. Now, through this uh, Tom Holland and Dominic Sandbrook, I got introduced to many books, including Sandbrook's Adventures in Time series, which I plan to get for my children because it sounds like a real good uh, piece of literature for children. I don't know yet. I have not reviewed it. Uh, I have not read it, but it does sound very suitable for, for, for children to read about history. And through this uh, this podcast through this uh, dynamic duo, I have also uh, got introduced to Empire, another podcast, uh, Battleground, uh, which is about Falklands, uh, fascinating uh, series, uh, fascinating podcast, and also the World War II podcast, We Have Ways to Make You Talk. So this podcast spawned many, many other podcasts. <laughs> and uh, so I've my, my, my time has has somehow been consumed <laughs> a bit more by all these uh, new podcasts that I, I'm listening to. And all thanks to The Rest is History. And it's not, and there's something special about The Rest is History. It's not just their choice of topics, but the choice of topics are very interesting. One day, I'm shedding tears because of a heroic pigeon. 
Yes, <laughs> pigeon as in the bird. Uh, that's one fantastic episode. Another day, I'm listening to them talking about the prostitute turned Christian, uh, Empress Theodora of Byzantium, who built the first hospitals for the poor. And that's a remarkable uh, story. They are great storytellers, and that's why they, their books are bestsellers, but they are fantastic storytellers. And another day, I'm listening to a three-part series on Australian Prime Ministers. Another day, a four-part series on the American Civil War. And another day, I'm listening to a five-part series on London or Londonium, uh, the the city uh, during Roman time. So, the topics are fascinating, but it is the host, because I was thinking, why is it that I'm so glued to this uh, podcast? Uh, but it's because of the host. Tom and Dominic obviously enjoy each other's company. They are. They exchange wits. They in- exchange good-natured insults. Not Maybe not insults, but digs and, and, uh, and their own in-jokes. They are experts in the sphere of history. I mentioned they have written multiple best-selling books. And yet, they are coming across as very curious and very willing to learn from others. They invite guest speakers, uh, guest experts to come in. And so they come across very much simultaneously podcasters and audience. Because when someone shares something interesting, a fascinating fact, or as many times it happens, a plot twist, <laughs> and they are, you should listen. I mean, if you talk about plot twists, I mean, you should listen to the beaver wars. Yes, beaver as in the animal who chews on trees and build dams. There is, I tell you, I mean, just the, a, a whole podcast episode on beavers doesn't sound like a way to spend, uh, uh, I don't know how long was the episode, 30 minutes or 40 minutes of your life. But have a listen, and you'll be, and the plot twist is actually quite a twist. <laughs> it feels like being on a road trip um, because I listen to them in the, in the car. It feels like being on a road trip with two very smart and witty fellows. And sometimes at the end of my commute, I'm already at my workplace. I just sit in my car in the parking lot, just trying, just waiting to finish the episode. And my colleagues probably walk by wondering what am I doing in the car laughing or listening so intently. And uh, like I said, uh, uh, like you can tell that, uh, wow, the history is so fun. Uh, the rest is history, makes history fun and, and informative and, and so deep. Uh, there's so much insight as well. And this is in so much in contrast to what I read in the news, where history seems to be rewritten as we speak. We have angry people pulling down statues, screaming at everyone, and before I have the time to take a breath, to rebut, or even ask a question, somehow, <laughs> whatever they say is already an established creed. So... It is incredibly refreshing to listen to Tom and Dominic. Not because their politics matches mine. Um, They make fun. If you are very partisan, you may not like them. (laughs) Because they make fun of both Biden and Trump. They make fun of both Boris. They are British guys. So they make fun of both Boris and Corbyn, the Labour Party and the Tory Party. Um, But their fun is good-natured fun. They, They make fun not in a cruel way, nor out to score points with a mob. 
If you're very partisan, you will not enjoy them. So it's a lesson in helping us get out of our partisan mindset. Now, maybe I'm biased because of the way they handle Christian history. Even though neither of them are Christian, uh, and Tom Holland is a lot more receptive to Christianity than Dominic Sandbrook, um, they, they are not, neither of them are Christians. But these are guys who are more than willing, more than willing they are, to admit that Christianity has done some good in the world. Something that used to be a lot easier to just accept. It was like a matter of fact. Yeah, obviously, Christians do good. But now the world has somehow changed and Christians are only bigots. But anyway, <laughs> because it's, it's interesting because, again, looking from, from history, um, uh, Tom and Dominic are able to point out the really bad apples, those who, who do things uh, in the name of religion, and this can be Christians, and it can be Muslims. It can be anybody, and they and they are able to point out what is good is good, and what is evil is evil. They don't use those theological terms, but it's very clear that they are calling them out uh, from from history, and that's all I want from secular, worldly historians, just to call it like it is. And that's what I expect from any person, believer or non-believer. Like, let's let's just take one example. Before their podcast, and now after the podcast, I'm now better informed. I I now know that the word slave came from the word Slavs, and Slavs are the ancestors of today's uh, many of the uh, Central and Eastern Europeans. And I was thinking that if, if that, since that is true, maybe the Slavs should seek reparations. A dollar every time someone uses the word slave in a movie, song, or tweet. <laughs> so that is something that I didn't know. And there's a lot of things to expand from there, uh, from their podcast, but I'm not reviewing their podcast. Instead, we are listening to Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. So let me... Bring it back down to uh, the Christian uh, lens. So let, let us uh, ask, how can, how can we bring a Christian worldview into this thing, this podcast or this idea of slaves? Okay, let's look at slaves. So I listen to the rest of history. I listen to the slaves. And then I'm thinking about how to use a Christian worldview to interpret what I'm listening to. And I listen, and I remember that they are they were slaves in Old Testament and New Testament times, um, and but yet slavery seems to be so exclusively associated with the African American experience, from the movies we watch, from the political discourse, um, and and what I gain from history, okay, what I listen is that history shows us that it is complicated. It does not diminish the evils of black slavery to recognize that there was white slavery, the Slavs. I mean, the word slavery itself comes from the word Slav. It does not diminish the evils of the African-American experience to acknowledge that South America 
Brazil had more slaves than any other country in history. It does not diminish the evils of Western slave traders to say that it was Africans who captured other Africans to sell as slaves to the West and also to the East. And it does not diminish the evils of Christian slave owners to affirm that it was Christians like William Wilberforce and Christian theology, such as all men are created in God's image. And it was Christian men and Christian theology that overcame slavery in those days and today. So, again, looking, listening to this from a Christian worldview, listening to uh, this podcast, um, I, I, I thought, okay, when it comes to evil, when it comes to evil, and there is plenty of evil that comes along, there's greed, there's, uh, there's uh, lust, there's, uh, uh, and so on. So when it comes to evil, Christians understand evil better than the atheists, the secularists, or any other religion. We understand evil because God defined it, God denounced it, and God will judge it. And then the Christian then thinks that if we only knew what was evil, we would be a sad lot. It's like knowing what is cancer, but not knowing the cure. Christians are a blessed people because we know evil and we know good. God has saved us from evil, from slavery, slavery to sin, and called us to a holy calling by the grace God has given us in Christ Jesus. So that is, again, hopefully you can see what I'm trying to do here listening to a podcast that is not necessarily Christian, not, not, it's not Christian at all, and then interpreting it with a Christian worldview, and then gaining, a, a, a forma- forming a, a Christian a maturity from, uh, from, from a non-Christian source. Now, I also mentioned this now about teasing out God's purposes. There we talk about a plan to... God's plan to bring out good from evil, from slavery. I don't dare. (laughs) At least not today. Uh, I think there is. But that's not the purpose of today's episode. Um, In today's podcast, what I wanted to do was to share my growth as a Christian to encourage everyone. And because of the books I've read, I've gotten to be more intentional in having a Christian worldview and in pondering on God's purposes in all things, in all history. So before I go to the conclusion, I just want to make a quick note to say that I've enjoyed The Rest is History, the podcast, so much that I went from clicking a button to subscribe to clicking a button to download all uh, new episodes to clicking a button to say that I want to pay you money and be a member of The Rest is History Club. I was thinking that if I had Netflix, Disney Plus, and Amazon Prime in one corner and the rest is history in the other, I would pick the rest is history. I have learned more, laughed more, and gone away more educated after every episode of the rest is history. And since I value them so highly and have listened to them for free for a year, I thought that it was about time and only proper to put my money where my mouth is and give them cold, hard cash. <laughs> so, and that's my year-end reflection. And next year, I ask you and remind myself 
that we should make a resolution to read more good books because knowing that we can gain so much from, from it. First, a reason is you can be encouraged into a habit, one book at a time. If I started by memorizing the fruit of the Spirit, now I move on to memorize a one chapter of Romans, maybe by next year I will have finished the whole episode. If I do so, if I manage to do so, it's only going to give me a rich annual dividend for the rest of my life, a spiritual dividend for eternal glory. How about that? The second reason is through books, you can form a Christian worldview. Instead of Superman's X-ray vision, you have the far superior uh, Christian true vision, the ability to see reality as it really is. So that is a wonderful thing to have, and you can learn through books how to form a Christian worldview. And third, uh, through books, you never know what you're going to get. One book, whether it's a good book, bad book, average book, whatever, may lead you to a whole new world of pleasures, experiences, and relationships. I can't wait to see what God will reveal in the year ahead. When with that, this is Reading and Readers Year End Reflection. And if you would like to support this podcast, please visit www.readingandreaders.com and you can buy me coffee there. And thanks to everyone who has bought me coffee, meaning you have sent over your own cold hard cash. Your support means so much and helps keeps me and this podcast going. Have a happy new year and see you in 2023. Bye-bye.